Every company has breakdowns in their revenue process. Sure thing deals slip into next quarter, competitors creep in and swipe deals away at the last minute, and deals getting single threaded that don't get to power. These are just a few examples of revenue leak, but there are a ton more, and they're preventing your team from reaching their sales targets. That's why I'm such a big fan of Clary's revenue platform. It's the only tool that actually helps leaders take control of their revenue and thrive through any market conditions, especially when things get tough. You can't afford to miss a single detail, but you also can't be leading by gut. Clary combines the science and the art of sales and sales leadership. So go to Clary.com if you want to answer the most important question in your business. Are you going to meet, beat, or miss on revenue? Welcome to the Live Better, Sell Better podcast with your host, Kevin Dorsey of Inside Sales Excellence, the number one Patreon group and YouTube channel for tech sellers and tech sales leaders, where we dive in deep for tactical advice on how to book more meetings, close more deals faster, and lead sales teams to success. But we don't stop there. We also focus on the person in salesperson. We talk about mindset, goals, time management, and so much more. So thank you for listening. And if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash inside sales excellence. Now with that, grab a notepad, get ready, and let's dive into the good stuff. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better, Sell Better podcast. This is your host, Kevin Dorsey, a.k.a. KD. And today we are going to talk about one of the topics in sales and leadership that is always touched on but never explained, that always sounds good on the training floor and in the boardroom, but very rarely do people do it. And I'm talking about building relationships. In fact, a lot of salespeople say they're in sales because they love building relationships with people. And your manager will look at you and say, hey, just build a better relationship. But no one talks about how to actually do it. Building relationships is a skill. Building relationship takes intentions and questions and everything else that comes with it. And that is why I'm so pumped to have Casey Jaycox with me on the show today, who literally wrote the book on how to build relationships in sales. He's the executive leadership coach at Winning the Relationship. And what he's done is taken his learnings as a coach, as a leader, as a rep, and compiled them together to teach people how to actually build a relationship. So let's dive in today with this. Casey, my man, welcome to the show. Pumped to have you. Yeah, I'm honored to, I'm honored to be here, and, and thanks for the, the chance to join you. And do I do, do I earn the right to call you KD out of the gate, or do I got some still okay. Absolutely, right? So KD out of the gate is fine. You can call me Kevin if I get out of line. So if I ask a really <laughs> like, hey, Kevin, uh-uh, we're not going to do that today. There so, we go. Awesome, man. Well, let's let's do this, man, because, you know, one of the reasons why people love the show is we get right into the tactics, right into, like, how to do these things, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I pinged you what topic, you said relationships. And I said, but can you actually teach this? And you said, I'm ready. So mm-hmm. let's talk about this a little bit. Relationship building, real quick. Why is it important? Let's start there, and then we'll get into the tactics. But why is building a relationship so important in the sales process? Well, transactions come and go. Relationships are built to last forever if they're done in the right way. And, and you could not have articulated it the, 
you, I mean, it, you were like almost inside my mind, Katie, on, on why I wrote the book because it, it, it was so clear to me at the end of my corporate journey where people would just keep telling, hey, build relationships, you got to go do it. I mean, colleges are telling their, their students to go build relationships. Leaders are doing it, but they're not teaching people. And right now in this automated world where we can just text, we can have bots do stuff, we can, it, and it, it's never going to replace a relationship. And I think about one of my favorite quotes by Maya Angelou. It's not what you said, why I said it, but why, how I made people feel when they leave the room. That feeling, I don't care what technology you have, will never trump the feeling of when you connect with someone. And so to me, relationships are everything. Um, yeah, that's why, I mean, the title of my book is, you know, win the relationship, not the deal. And people like, people sometimes will get confused. Like, what do you mean? You don't want the deal? I'm like, no, I want the deal, but I want to win people. If you win people, deals will come. And, and there's sometimes you might have to explain to a customer or prospect that, Hey, I'm not the right guy. Timing's not great, mm-hmm. which is around expectation management. And I think when doing that, and I share examples in, inside the book and even share people I coach now, that's uncommon. People don't like doing uncommon things. People do what everybody else does. And I like doing things that are uncommon because that's how people will remember you. And I, and I love, I mean, shoot, we could almost end it right there. When people <laughs> And you win deals because it's the truth, right? The deal is the outcome of doing everything else right, right? You don't win the deal. You win the hearts and mind of the person that you are talking to, right? So let's go a layer deeper then, right? Mm-hmm. So where does it all begin, right? Because mm-hmm. a relationship is a process, right? Like I'm not expecting some magic line from you here. Like here's how you build it. Let's go through the relationship building process. So if I'm approaching you know, the sales process, Let's rephrase it from the sales process to the relationship process. Mm-hmm. Where does it begin? How do you start the relationship building process? I think it starts with yourself having the right mindset, right? Sailing, if, if, I, if I have a bad morning, let's say my, my wife, you know, puts peanut butter in my coffee and I, and I get, I snap, right? Or something crazy like that, right? And I, now I'm on tilt and then I go to the office and I bring a bad attitude. Well, already now I'm eroding my culture. I'm eroding my team. I'm going to get judged because I think I'm so great. I can just treat people like that. And then my customers are going to fill it. My prospects are going to fill it. So I think the step one, you got to, you got to start the day with positivity. And I, in the first chapter of my book is about treating people the way you want to be treated. It was, it was taught when we were kids. Yet when we get in this corporate America, we're, we're allowed to be uh, a-holes to each other. We're allowed to get mad at the admin. We're allowed to treat he or she with disrespect. We're allowed to um, get frustrated with people or flip someone off on the road. In the end, I just think be nice. Start start with start with intentionality about w- what you want to get out of the day. Um, and then I think if you're as it relates to selling, I think relationship. The first step is understand who who, who and why are you go- calling somebody. You know, one of the one of the um, my mentors in my career taught me four great questions to ask, which is or to be thinking about, which is do I understand the problems in my industry? Uh, like what problems exist? Do I understand what problems I solve? Do I understand how I solve them better or differently than my competition? And do I understand my proof? Like so simple, yet most companies I work with have no clue those four questions. Yeah. Zero. And I, and I love that. You used one of my favorite words, intention. It's my fa- one of my favorite words. I, I'm on camera being asked like what I think I have a superpower. It's like I'm intentional. One of the themes for my sales org for an entire year was execution with intention. Mm. Right. Because like most, you know, most of the time we don't succeed in life because we don't execute. But at the same time, you can execute with poor intention 
and not get it done. So touch on that a little bit more because like the intention of the relationship, I think is a really foundational thing to cover of like, what should your intention be with building this relationship? Yeah. You make me think of uh, early in my selling career when, as uh, when reps are, are taught to pound the phone, pound the phone, to pound the phone, get all these things out. And all of a sudden you're just, you're so an autopilot. Then all of a sudden someone comes up, someone answers it. You're not ready for it. You're like, Oh, yep. shoot. Uh, like that's not intention. Intention is I am clear. I I'm clear why I'm calling this person. I can't wait for them to pick up. I have no distractions. I got my phone away. I've got email closed out. I have, or intention could be if I'm talking to you, am I looking down? Am I looking at my watch? Am I sending you these cues that I don't want to be there? Or do I give you the gift of listening, which is intent eye contact, curiosity in my tone of my voice, good body language. Um, not just hearing, but I'm listening. He hearing is subconscious. Listening is conscious. And so when I do those things, I am very intentional. Um, and have a and have a have a point or purpose what you do. And I don't know if you can see the sign behind me, but it says believe. Yep. Um, and when you believe what you do matters, and start the day with what if you believe what you do matters, there's you'll you'll be intentional about everything because there'll be your confidence will be higher. And I always tell myself whenever I actually work with people that I feel like their confidence gets rattled, I'll say, "Yeah, tell me what's changed." And they'll be like, "What are you talking about?" I say, oh, "I thought you believe what you do matters, but it looks like you don't anymore." You know, and so saying it a little tongue in cheek and sarcastic, but and bringing it all together, I think when you think about those things in that context, intentionality will happen. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's so big. And there's a few things you touched on there that we're going to go a little bit deeper on, but it is, it's remembering why you do what you do. It was, it was actually, gosh, this was probably four or five months after like, you know, that COVID had hit and like our company had gone through a reduction in force and people were just like feeling really low and they could just feel it. It's like, y'all like, did you forget why we do this? Like, Every day I want you to go and read one of our testimonials. Every day I want you to go and read like who, how we've changed people's lives. From what we have to remember that's what we do and that's why we pick up the phone. One of our um, core virtues of the org was help YTP and YTP stood for help yourself, team, prospect. We're here to help and that is our intention, right? And so I love that. So, okay, let's keep going through this process. So, okay, I've set my intention. Right, I have positive energy. Now I can be positive and still not build a good relationship, right? So I start my day. I got my intention. I'm positive. Then where do I go to start building this relationship with a prospect? Yeah, if if it's if it's all right, I'm I'm just going to kind of go through each chapter on, on kind of yeah. how I yeah. That's the beauty of a book is we got a framework, so let's there do it. There we go. There we go. So and maybe before I I, I dive out, how I came up with these six things. I went through what's called like a word mapping exercise, and if any people don't know what that is, you literally write down words. And then you something like draw like a cloud around it. And then you, you make a spoke and like, okay, what word connects with that word? And then I just, I literally ha had all these words on a piece of paper of things that I, and these words would describe how I would go about building relationships or when I was selling at an elite, elite level, like why, what, 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 what was I doing? What was I not doing when I sucked? What was I not doing when I was doing that was great. What was I doing? And these, and then I had all these words and then I color coded them to figure out what went kind of with each one. And that really. Are, that built the, the foundation or the six chapters of the book. So like you said, chapter one's all about um, treating people the way you want to be treated, power of the golden rule, start with positivity. Second one is expectation management. Sellers will erode trust so quickly by not setting expectations. Mm -hmm. um, something basic is if I have a one o'clock meeting and I show up at 103 and assume that nothing's, we're fine. 
I just told in my mind, I, I told the, the customer that my time is more important than yours. If I know I'm going to be late, pull over on the side of the road, text them. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to be three minutes late. Just want to give you a heads up. Or if you have bad news to share about a product launch or a delivery, what you get ahead of it before the client has to ask you about it. And so I give stories throughout, <coughs> excuse me, I give stories of personal failure in the book. I talk about just the power of when you set expectations, it's a great way to build trust. You showed someone you followed through, you showed someone you listened, but mainly you did what you, you said, you did what you were supposed to do. And I think so many sellers, I, re, I recently heard this recently, like a client that just hired me to do some work for them. They told me that they did not go with this big other person uh, platform because they didn't follow through what they said they're going to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, just we're leaving deal, we're leaving money on the table. And so I think winning relationships is, 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 you know, the simplest, simplest thing is just setting expectations and following through on that. Mm-hmm. And how do you recommend setting those expectations? What would be an example, right? So it's like, okay, like, you know, being on time is, mm-hmm. you know, expected or communicating, but like when it comes to building a relationship, are there certain things that you do to set proper expectations or are there certain expectations you can set that set up a good relationship? I think, well, skipping ahead to chapter four is about the power of a CRM and how a CRM made me look way smarter than I am. So if I document correctly, and I, well, I'm talking everything from anything I can think about, like for you as a Dodger fan, I might ask you about the Dodgers next time we speak. I might ask about you know, your two daughters. How's that young competitive one? Is she getting ready to play who? You know, little things like that that I'm documenting so that when I, when I follow through, at least I'm making myself more, more relevant. Um, I, I think really back to expectations though, it's just, I mean, anything you can think of, like if you have something to communicate, whether it's good news, bad news, but it's something communicate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, I think so often I, in my corporate career, I found like I was in the staffing and consulting business and it was a, we sold a product that was people and you, you couldn't control people. And so there was a lot of times where you had to set expectations about something that maybe didn't exist, but you had to at least let them know something so that you, so they, they knew that you were still either, you know, through the sales process or you were still engaged, but, um, you weren't just like afraid to call them or afraid to tell them something. And I found that well, at least when you do, when, when we did those things, um, it just, it got people to, to the rapport was better, allowed me to develop commonality. And I earned the right to keep on the phone longer because I was doing these little things along the way to list to keep them engaged. Uh-huh. I love this, the subtle, not so subtle call out on the CRM salespeople use it. Stop trusting your memory. You cannot remember everything the way that we think that we can put it down so you can actually listen and come back to it. So, okay. I like where this is going. So we have the, you know, intention. We have the positivity. We get into expectations, right? Building trust, right? And trust is done through follow through and doing what you say you're going to do. What comes next? Chapter three is about the difference between listening and hearing. So it's really the art of listening here. Like I mentioned in the intro kind of hearing is subconscious. No, no offense to the smartwatch people, worst invention ever, worst invention ever, because no one's teaching reps to turn the, the buzz off or the, because of I mean, they look it down. It's like, you, that's cues that you don't want to be there. And maybe I'm old school thinking, thinking that way. But I, when people do it to me, I'm like, I, I will ask them like, hey, do, you, do you got something else you got to go, go to? Oh, sorry. And I go, take your watch off if you're going with me. So you're not, you're, you're, you're in with me and people don't often. So listening is not, I'm on the phone, I'm texting, 
I'm on email and, you know, we as humans, they like to say, you know, we're, I'm a great multitasker, BS. No one is. No one's a good multitasker. If you are intentional, like you, your favorite word, Katie, and you listen and you document what you listen and you understand what's going on in someone's business. And I, I got taught a great question framework. Hopefully people are taking notes right now. This is gold. If you write it down, it's called Ted based questions. Tell me, explain, describe. And it's not just the first level. Like, Hey, you know, tell me one thing that's going great in your, in your, in your world, Mr. Mrs. Client. And one thing you might change. And once they give you something and you say, tell me more, tell me more about that. Describe why that's important to you. Explain what you like to see differently and just, but give them space to, to answer. When we listen to a prospect, I don't know if you've seen this, but so too often sellers will ask two questions inside of one question and you confuse yes. the prospect. And so now I'm like, well, what question should I answer? And so I teach my, my clients, it's called the, I mean, virtual selling, like a three, three tap rule. Client can't hear you tapping the, your finger, but if you ask a question, tap your finger three times to let them think. And in listening, in, in the power of listening, if we can hear two words in a meeting, which is great question, that means you made them think. And to me, that's how I measure success on meeting. If I made a client think or prospect think, I know I'm on the way to becoming uncommon. And everything I document and everything I hear in a meeting, I document. And then when you, fo when you follow back up with somebody, because you told them that you were going to call on April, April 29th, you, get, you, remind them, you remind them what they told you. And then you, you prepare yourself with intentionality about questions you're going to ask um, to just show them you, you, you care, to show them you listen, to show them that, the, that you're, you're willing to do the little things and you're not just there for the transactional win. It's funny. I was laughing when you were talking about like the, the layered, layered, layered questions. Um, shout out Lizette if you're listening. So Lizette was a rep of mine, um, gosh, now six, seven years ago. And we used to call it a Lizette because she would put like five questions into one. So like, so tell me like what's going on over there. Like how's the team? How's growth? Like what are you looking to do this year? Like she's like, I was like, hey, hey. <laughs> Five different questions and we used to laugh about it because like and she worked at it and she got so much better but at, when she got excited she mm -hmm. we call it the lizette she would put seven questions like together i'm like okay mm -hmm. space those out slow down we're all right um so i like the the ted right so tell explain describe as like as a framework combined with that that pause just mm -hmm. pause for a second tell me about this can you explain that Mm -hmm. describe what that's doing or describe how that feels. So I really like that as, as a framework. And then you've mentioned, okay, you're taking notes, but bring up, like, how do you show someone you're listening? Mm -hmm. you know, how, like, you know, they talk about active listening, passive listening, you know, repeating, like, how do you show someone that you're actually listening? So they feel heard. Cause I like that you called it out, right? Hearing is subconscious, but people want to make sure they feel heard. Mm -hmm. So how do I make sure that Casey knows I'm, hearing him, right? That you feel heard right now. Well, in person, I think you, you said it, you said it, you, it's, you, you, you repeat back, uh, you repeat back what they, what they've said. Um, so maybe use their name in the conversation. So Katie, what I'm hearing is, 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 is this, and the, and these are the things that you're looking to accomplish. Tell me, do I have that right? Like repeat back those things during the conversation. I think when you use their name, you keep them engaged. Um, so they are going to be listening. I think written wise, one of the best things I got taught was the power of a great meeting 
uh, recap. So, uh, and it's a great way to save time too. So let's say I, we meet, I, I might say, Hey, KD, thank you. And this, and this is, I'm going to speak it, but how it'd be written. It might be like, KD, thank you for your time. I want to take a minute to, uh, to actually take, hold up. Before I send the meeting recap, I'm going to tell the prospect, I'm going to send them a meeting recap. And I want to make sure yeah. that they know, um, that's coming. Uh, I let them know it's going to be like an executive brief, not a senior thesis, got like, you know, this massive long email and to articulate and make sure that we capture the key things we talked about. And so they're ready for it. And then when I, when I do it, I say, here are the things we talked about here, are the, here are the problems that exist here, are the things that you are looking for assistance with, please let me know if, if I've missed anything along the way, blah, 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 something like that. When it's done correctly and you know, the client's engaged, they will respond back, Casey, this looks perfect. Exactly. And you know what, as I thought about it, you made me think of two other areas I think you can help with. Then they'll redline it. And so I think when you do that way, not only do you, are you is, is sensing the health of the deal, potentially you're, you're showing them the client that you listen, you document everything, you made it easy for them to really, uh, um, share what we just talked about. And once they give you a note back thing, yep, this looks great. Now you just copy and paste and put it right into your CRM. You have to go about and type all okay. these things. Just literally, I literally would copy and paste and put it in CRM. So for me, those are the things I do. Another thing to be thinking about is your, are you slouched down? You know, how, how is your tone when you talk back? Like when you back to them, how are, how is your curiosity in your voice? They can, they can feel that they can hear that. Um, it's kind of like, I, I mean, uncle Rico moment here, college football. When, when I, uh, for those who don't know that you should, uncle Rico's legit, but my buddies would say, Hey, Jay Cox, what kind of receivers you got this year? I'm like, Oh, um, they're, I got great. I'm this guy named Ty, this guy named Ryan. They run great routes. They're like, what are you talking about running great routes? You know, and I think for like, when you could, uh, you know, articulate those things, the same thing is why if you ask great questions, your, your tone of your voice can articulate how a question sounds, um, versus just this monotone. You just, you feel like you're, you know, no one wants to be around people like that, like have energy. And it all goes back to that word behind my wall, which is belief. Mm-hmm. I love the call out there on tone because like in my, in my scripting and playbooks, it's literally bullet points on what tone you're supposed to be using in this part of the call or this type of question, because oh, I mean, you're probably familiar with this too. It sounds like you're very well read, like in this space, right? Like tonal discon, um, tonal congruence, right. Can get out of line. If I'm asking a question, but I don't sound like I care, or I'm asking a question about like, so like, how can I help you? But I don't sound like I want to help. Mm-hmm. It actually lights up the fear part of the brain. There's the tone doesn't match the ask and it creates distrust at a subconscious level mm-hmm. where like what you're asking me doesn't sound like you actually care about that. Right. And it lights up, it lights up like the fear receptors in our brain, like something's off here, even without us understanding it. And so you mentioned curiosity because this is another place of like, you know, a curious tone. How do you teach somebody mm-hmm. that? Like, how do you teach a team, you know, an individual, like how to sound more curious? Because I don't know yet if you can make someone more curious, but I do believe you can teach them how to sound curious. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit more about that, because I think that's gold in all of this. Yeah, um, I'll give you an example that one of my favorite questions I ask every new prospect to start even in meetings I'm I'm, I'm still going on. And it was a, a question I got taught late in my sales career that I is gold if it's done right. So the example would be, say, we're going to go to a meeting, you're the prospect, I'm the seller. And if I come with an agenda and like, all right, Katie, I'm excited to meet you here, here are the things that we're going to be talking about. Well, that's about 
me, the seller, not you, the prospect. In the end, I want to make it about the prospect. So the question they taught me, which is all about curiosity, is I might say, hey, Katie, th you know, thanks for your time today. I'm role playing this out loud. Thanks for your time today. Um, I, have, I prepared an agenda for some things that um, to hopefully cover. But the most important thing I want to do, tell me what would be an ideal outcome for you in the 45 minutes we have today. Or describe for me what, what a successful outcome would be in the time we have today. And when you ask that with the right tone, and you notice my, my voice fluctuate a little bit, which showed I'm curious, you get the answer to the test. And I've yet, I, I still have a 4.0 KD when I have the answers to the test. I've not messed that up yet, right? Oh, yeah. so being sarcastic. But when, and sometimes I'll get sellers that will push back and be like, why, why would I want to ask them that? It's my, it's my meeting. I'm setting the agenda. True. But Jeez. But but think about it. Would you rather talk about things that are important to you or important to the prospect? And if we don't ask that question in the very beginning, we don't give ourselves a chance, Uncle Rico moment coming here again, to be audible at line of scrimmage, be ready to understand, okay, if I'm ready to be talking about this, but they, they want to talk about more about A or B or something else, well, then I need to pivot and be ready to talk about that. So I think back to your curiosity, once we ask that question, they respond, we give them space, and then we apply Ted. Tell me more about that. Describe why those things are going to be important for you to accomplish in today's meeting. Mm -hmm. And I, and I found when doing that, uh, um, you know, just allows you to like, it, it may be tell yourself, Hey, be curious, be curious for the meeting. Like almost like kind of self-talk, which is super important as well that we haven't touched on yet. Uh, and, and then, I mean, how you get good at it, you, you practice. We, we talked about that, um, before we started recording and, um, Sellers, if you're not practicing, um, you might as well call and tell your client, hey, it's Casey with ABC Company. I'm, I'm excited to practice on you today. You got a minute. Yes. And, and watch yes. how long they'll, they'll stay on the phone call. Probably about three seconds. Oh, it's just it's just so true, right? Reps, you're out there practicing on your prospect. And all the sales leaders hear this right now. Because if your reps are not practicing with you or their managers or each other, they're practicing on the prospect. Give, telling someone what you want them to do. Hey, Casey, we need you to start doing these TED questions, right? Tell, explain, you know, describe. The reps are like, oh no, that's, that's a great idea. Yeah, I'm going to go do it. That's not coaching. <laughs> that's telling, right? They right. didn't do it yet. There was no feedback given. There was no delivery there. And so that practice is so important. But I love the call out here, y'all's we're practicing the words, which it's just as important, if not more important, to practice the tone. Mm -hmm. Do you sound curious, right? Like especially role playing like face to face or over Zoom, I have them turn their cameras off. I don't look because I just want to listen. How does mm -hmm. it sound? Does it sound curious? Do they sound what we call bottled enthusiasm? Because sometimes reps can go too far with enthusiasm. Hey, Casey, it's KD over today. So excited to meet with you. This is, I mean, oh, just, whoa, whoa. We call Settle that, down. that bottle enthusiasm. Like, like, honestly, Casey, I'm just, I'm really excited to chat with you today. You know, I have a few things I wanted to walk through and then wanted to hear that too with that, like that bottled enthusiasm around it with the curiosity. So, okay. So now we're starting to check some boxes. We got listening, hearing. Ted questions, then what? Now we have to check our ego. So there's an invisible hat rack right here. You can't see it, but it's right next to me. And every time I sit down at my desk here, I hang my ego at my, my desk. Mm -hmm. uh, we all are replaceable, as great as you are. And what I love telling my, um, and so the, the chapter five is about practice. 
letting your authentic self shine. And the number one reason to be ourself, corny dad joke coming, because everybody else is already taken. Hell yeah. You got to be yourself. If, if leader, if you're telling your, your rep to fake it till you make it, worst advice ever. Rep, if anybody's told you that, worst advice ever. John Wooden said, the number one reason to always tell the truth, because you, you don't have to worry, remember what story you told. Yeah, I remember, yep. Yep. So when we think about being our authentic self, when we think about practicing, that's where we have to check their ego. Leaders remove fear, encourage people to, they want to mess up. But the number one thing, leader, go first. Don't make the reps role play first. You go first. Let them know it's a safe environment. Let them know that, hey, we're, we're excited to practice today. Um, Kitty, I like using metaphors and examples to um, further prove that point. So I'll ask, I'll, I'll ask people, you know, tell me the last time you, uh, you took an airplane ride. They'd be like, ah, last is last time went to Austin, Seattle. Great, man. How was it? Oh, it's great. Good service. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Okay. Tell me how you'd feel if the pilot said, if he or she said, Hey, welcome to, you know, ABC airlines. I gotta be honest with you. I haven't, I haven't practiced in about two years. I don't know what a lot of these buttons do up here. Um, they look pretty fun. They might, I don't know really what they do. We're going to skip the walk around. Um, I think we have gas and I'm pretty sure we have a flight plan filed. But other than that, man, welcome aboard. We're glad to have you. Like, would you <laughs> want to be on that flight? No one would. Uh, I would even just hearing it as, as a story, right? Like, <laughs> Right. But why do we run our businesses like that? We're, we're running our businesses like that airline that has no clue, doesn't practice. And even like when I speak to clients, I make them do a dry run with me before I go. And they're like, why would you do that? And I'm like, because I want to uh, further say when I, when I talk about practice in front of your whole sales team, I'm going to say that I'm not just fully, you know what, I, I backed it up and we practiced an hour before and I got yeah. feedback. Real Mr. quick, Mr. that's like for when you're doing sales training, you practice like with the leader or with some people on not, not a sales call. Like you're not no. calling. The okay. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Time I'm sorry. Out. Yeah. Do a dry run with the prospect. Before no. you, I don't think you can do <laughs> okay. I just want to clarify. My bad. My bad. You know, on that one, man. So, okay. I like that. No, Keep no. going. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. So like with speaking, like I'll do a dry run with the, with the client just on, Hey, how does this content sound? We've, we've, we've prepped for it. But, but I found when we, when we do that, they even appreciate it because then it's more genuine. It's authentic. It's this, okay. This guy's not full of stuff. He, he truly cares. And he's going to, he's going to walk the walk. Um, I just think too often we we're afraid to say what we don't know. We're afraid to ask for help. Um, we're afraid to, uh, practice. I mean, too often, I'm sure you've heard the sellers, sales reps say this. Oh, I don't like to role play KD because I don't sound like that in front of the customer. BS. Mm -hmm. I, I can't, I can't practice because mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's not, it's not, um, it's not real. Well, that's your mindset. In the work I do at Limitless Minds, I've I'm around some crazy smart um, brain science people. And one of the things I've learned is that this, the, the things we say to ourselves. so 70%, if, if we um, say something negative out loud, it increases the chance of happening by 70%. So think about that. Think about like, if I'm a seller, like, man, I got, they're not going to pick up. I, oh man, how, I need to get a deal or I, I can't call that person. They're not, they're not going to be available. But when we use positive self-talk and believe and people, and people might say, that's corny, but I believe in that stuff and it works. And the number one way I, I back that stat up is, do you remember Bill Buckner? Mm -hmm. 
And why, why do you remember Bill Buckner? Because he let the ball through his legs to the Mets, I believe. 19, 1986 World Series. When, and people might be saying, what the hell does that have to do with mindset? What the hell does that have to do with self-talk? Well, 19 days before that, he got interviewed by a local Boston radio station. And they asked him, how are you feeling? Like, how, how, where's your mind at? How are you, are you excited to be here? And he said, yeah, I, I am. I'm, this is a dream come true. I've always wanted to be in the World Series. And I have this, this dream I'm going to hit a home run to win the World Series. You know, the, the nightmare I keep having, though, is that I'm going to let a ground ball go to my legs to lose a World Series. 19 days before. Now, is he a prophet? No. Did he predict the future? No. But when it's in the subconscious and, you know, we put those things out, in the, out there, weird. It happens. So I think as a seller, full circle back to when we started this conversation over, your mindset is so important. And, and removing words that create anxiety and replacing them instead with I will. So it's funny, man. So I'm on the road right now, but actually my computer's on my journal where I'm doing my affirmations every day at my desk. I have what I have my being cards. Who am I being? I am confident. I am motivated. I am disciplined. I am the best sales coach in the world. I take care of my family. I bring joy to my daughters. Like I have my being cards, right? And every single day they're right there in front. Because again, back to that brain science, the brain doesn't know the difference mentally. So Buckner has played over in his head over and over and over again, lifting up. Right, lifting up before the ball got there because that's what he's been seeing in his head. So when the moment comes, the brain's like, I know what to do here. I've been doing this. I know I'm going to lift up. I'm going to lift up. And that ball's going to go through. And so I think that's so, so important. I love that you call out self-talk because that, you know, also the theme of this podcast is live better, sell better. Mm -hmm. Not just the sell better part. Like if we can live better, we have intention in here. We've got some self-talk in here of like that end result that you want to see. So, okay, let's keep this going. So we've checked our ego. Right, we've checked our ego. We took the hat off. We put it by the desk. Now what? Right, as we think about where we are now, we set our intention. We're listening. We're asking good questions. We have the right tone. Right, like we believe what we do matters. We're putting them first. We've mm -hmm. checked our ego. Now what? The last chapter that talks about in relationship to win the relationship is it takes time. It take you have to be patient. Mm -hmm. We have to have perseverance, but mainly we have to be patient. Some of the best relationships I had in my career took time. And I had to prove that I'm not, I'm not just calling them once and walking away. I had to call with intentionality. I had to, these slow chipping away thing, earning little nuggets of trust, falling through. Um, once I did that and I allowed, and then once I know that, and I would love to even when those um, prospects that were hard to get into, I love those because I know once you cracked them, you got them for, forever. Forever, forever, absolutely. Forever. You know, so just like anything, like most competitive people, I'll say me is one of them. My gap is patience. So I have to be very self-aware. And so my, back to, you said self-affirmations, which I love that, Katie, is I do something called the HA method, which I have, I am, I will. Every morning I say those statements to myself. One more time. So it's a four-minute It's a four minute meditation. So you breathe for the first minute. Mm -hmm. The second minute is I have statements out loud. And you're going to say these physical, emotional, or opportunistic. Like I have an opportunity to to join this podcast. I have an opportunity to be a great dad. I have an opportunity to be a great leader. I have an opportunity to be present and in intentionality with my questions. Okay. Let that minute go. Third minute is I am statements, physical, emotional, opportunistic. Fourth minute is I will physical, emotional, or opportunistic speak truth into existence. Like we have limitless minds. We say, think big, go far. Someone's going to do it. Why not you? And, um, but back to, back to patience. So it's, I have to be self-aware about that. 
And then when I feel it getting out of whack, I have to get back to me. I have to, one, I have to notice a difference, but get back to center on my values of what drives me. Um, and realizing that I have a choice when things don't go my way or if I'm getting impatient. I have a choice to say, why am I getting, like almost self-talk and have this conversation with myself. Casey, why are, you, why are you freaking out, man? Chill out. That's a big deal. And then I think we can slow down and um, know that any, any deal we win, any prospect we win, um, you know, I, I tell a story in the book, I'm thinking this right now, that I was a part of our, my former company's one of the largest deals in their history. Uh, three months later, the thing completely fell apart. A lot of it was completely out of my control. Um, after we got through it, the, the vice president of this company said, Casey, the day you won it, the day you lost, you're the same guy. Thank you. Right? I had to persevere. I had to be patient when things were getting really, really rocky. Right? But I had to ask myself, do you think the client said, man, I can't wait to lose budget and call and ruin Casey's day and ruin this company. That's going to be a blast. I can't wait to do that. No, I mean, stuff happens. So how, how are we going to respond? Just like in football, when I call play and they, uh-oh, we can't block that. I got to change land scrimmage. I got to be able to persevere through it. I got to be able to, when things are, when I have a bad week, am I going to be, am I going to let that bad week lead to a bad month, to a bad quarter? Or am I going to revert back to chapter five a bit and ask for help? Check my ego. Or am I going to pretend everything's fine and just, I got my stuff figured out when I don't. And none of us have it all figured out. Yeah. And yes, you just touched on something that we didn't go deep on this idea of asking for help under check the ego. Talk a little bit more about that when it comes to building a relationship of like, how do you ask for help? Who do you ask for help? When do you ask for help if mm -hmm. we're trying to build a relationship? Well, I think about it internally and externally. I think, um, you know, I, I was a top rep in our comp company for 10 years straight nationally. And one in time, new people joined our, 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 um, our company just to kind of like let them know the environment I wanted to be a part of. I would ask them for help. Like, hey, can you take a look at this email? How does this sound? And they almost look, would look like intimidated or scared. I'm like, well, why are you asking me? I said, like my second day. I'm like, that's exactly what I'm asking because you have fresh perspective. Like you might be able to see something I'm not seeing. And if they see the number one person in the company from, again, based on revenue, but doesn't mean I was number one. There's many other ways people could be number one you show that that's the type of environment you want to be, be in. Um, even sometimes asking for help from a prospect, if you want to go get an introduction, like, Hey, I'd love to meet this person. Do you think you could help me out? Could you ask for help? Um, Hey, I, you know, ask for help. If you're, um, um, really, really anything, let your mind get curious. Like what are some areas, you know, maybe you want to get, you want to learn more about networking events. You want to learn more about, um, a, a LinkedIn group but you don't know how to get there. Ask for help, how to get involved, right? Don't assume that people are reading your mind and they, they want to try to help you. And so I love asking for help um, because I, I, love, I, think it, yeah, I think it's the way we all grow. And you can teach through asking for help. You build the connections to asking for help, right? Like that's always my advice when, you know, I hire a new manager is, hey, go and learn from your people. Don't learn about your people. Learn from your people first. Mm -hmm. Let them teach you. Let them teach you their world, their role, the ups, the downs, the ins and outs. Like learn from them actually builds a relationship more than you telling them what to do, right? And it's funny because this is kind of going to the last question I wanted to, to ask here as we start to wrap up mm -hmm. is it brings me back to a conversation I had with David Karch and Sean Gentry. These are two reps of mine from a while back now. Both of them were some of the best relationship builders I've ever had on my team like they could oh you, they had that connection that rapport with people they were able to do it quickly but time and time again 
deals would would push, right? They they wouldn't close, right? It end, and I was like, you, y'all, the reason you build the relationship is so you can make the ask, so you can make the ask. That's actually why you have that relationship. So you can say, hey, it's time to do this, or hey, it's, let's get you going. So how do you kind of? All right, so I'm focusing on bu- building this relationship. That's great, Casey, but I still need to close the deal. Mm-hmm. How do you? This is the Horrible question, because you'll get what I'm asking. Like, how do you use the relationship to help bring the deal across? I think you get what I'm asking for this. Yep. The wrong word, but hopefully you follow me. They're like, so, okay, we're doing this. How do we then bring it home? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it, I can, it goes back to, um, which I've touched on a second ago, and I like, sometimes I like answering questions with stories, so I hope that's okay. But oh, yeah. when I first got into coaching, um, I did not, like I mentioned to you before we started recording, I did not seek out to do this. I was a 20 year corporate guy, rep, executive leader. And then when I left to write my book, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And when I was, when I was, I had a relationship with this individual through, through my time at my previous employer to then into my entrepreneurial world, still not quite known. And it was exactly at that point, she was about to hire a coach. And I started asking questions. Why I was like, well, tell me why you're, what are you looking for? Well, we're looking for this and this and this. And in my mind, I'm like, well, why wouldn't you just close it right there? And so I, I got off the phone, didn't, cause it wasn't clear yet. I didn't have clarity that I was going to be doing this. And then I had that, this conversation with this gentleman up in Toronto and he gave me the, the, the best punch in the face ever when he gave me the advice of, and I was, I was asking him if I should get into coaching and, and I wasn't sure if I should or shouldn't because I wasn't certified. And he looked at me and said, Casey, you've done all these things. Get out of my mother effing face and go help people. You wrote a book about it go. And right when he told me that I picked up the phone, I called the person back who I was just talking to. I said, I'm your coach, hire me. And here's why I spent 20 years in the industry you're selling to. Uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to coach you or teach your reps based on what I think you should do. I'm going to coach them on what I've failed at and what I personally succeeded at. I'm not making this stuff up. And so for me, I had all the passion, all the belief, because I know I could solve those problems because I've sat in her pain. I've lived that and I, and I, and I was like, and I had nothing to lose, right? I'd rather, I'd rather me try to take a swing at it because one, I believe in what I do matters Two, I know what I could help her, but of all those things I did along the way to get her to at least feel comfortable in sharing with me what she's looking to do. And she's like, you're right. Why wouldn't I hire you? And that was my first, first client. Shout out to Leslie. If you're listening. Let's go. Les. Let's go. I love this man because I, and what I'm loving about this conversation is it's, it's one of these soft skills that I believe can be a hard skill. You can learn how to do this the right way. Yes, there are some people that maybe do this a little bit better naturally, or they're more this way or that way. But if you're intentional, right back to that word Mm -hmm. on all of these steps, you truly can build great relationships. And I love, you said this early on, I think we were recording, right? Win the person before you win the deal, because once that relationship's there, tends to open the door for even more deals down the road, right? Whether that's through an, maybe, maybe it's a referral, but also maybe it wasn't the best fit and you were willing to not risk the relationship to close the deal. But you go, you know what, Casey, this isn't the right fit for you. I wouldn't be a good consultant. I wouldn't be a good friend if I was trying to sell this to you. Like Mm -hmm. this isn't the best fit. And that also like you win that person down the road, maybe when it is a good fit, that relationship is still intact. And so I think that I'm loving this as, as a topic because it's just not possible. You, you said something real quick that I, so, uh, that made me think. So the very, um, one of the opening lines in my book is when my seven, my son was seven, 
he's 16 now when he was seven. He said, dad, what do you, what do you do for your job? And I couldn't say, well, dad, dad, great question, buddy, writer. Dad is a um, business development professional and I, and I provide staff augmentation services and consulting projects for e-commerce. And he'd be, blah, blah, blah. he'd be like, what the hell are you talking about, dad? So I just dumped it down for a seven year. I said, you know what, bud? Great question. Dad makes friends for a living. Nice. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, I make friends. So I go out and I, I get friends to like me and get their friends, introduce me to their friends. And then when a friend needs help, I make sure I, I give them the best friendship service possible. And then sometimes they decide to pay me money. Um, sometimes when they, when they ask for help, but I don't think I'm the best friend, I go find them a different friend who can help them better than I can help them. And when I'm honest like that, um, they trust me. They're going to follow through with me. They're not going to afraid to ask me questions. I'm not going to be afraid to ask them questions. And we're going to have gaps. We're going to talk about what we are good at, what we're not good at. And then that's we treat how we treat friends. And, you know, and my buddies gave me a hard time. I'm like, dude, you can't tell your kid he makes friends. He's going to be on the recess asking for dough. I'm like, come on, man. He's not going to do that. But the point yeah. is when we, when we slow down to, th to think about these things in a really simplistic way, uh, it doesn't need to be this difficult, right? And I'm looking at a... You can't see, but I'm looking at a, a, a sign. I'm a big Ted Lasso fan. And this sign says, be curious, not judgmental. Right. And man, I still need to get on the Ted Lasso game. I get so many references and oh, I yeah. haven't seen any of oh, you. All right, I got to get on that. I, cr I watched it twice. cried both times. Ah, well, I don't want to cry, but it was it's a, a good, good cry. cry. It's a good cry. Okay. We cry then i'm all for it so dude casey this is amazing man i got one final question well, i should tell you i have two questions i don't want to rely in our relationship i got two questions left for you right so the first one right and you've touched on this a little bit throughout all this right but the name of the podcast is live better sell better because i have this weird idea right that like if we took better care of ourselves if we had more joy more fulfillment more energy everything else the sales also improve what would your live better advice be for the people listening for, for me, live better. Um, well, I'll tell you how I live better and, and it's up to other people to choose. They want to do it. I, I take care of your body exercise, mm -hmm. um, have a spiritual framework. I'm not saying you got to go to church every week. I don't go to church, but I have, I have a relationship with something out there. People call it right. God, people call it universe, something. I believe in something else is helping us. I mm -hmm. journal every morning. Uh, I write and the, and the, and my opening line every time is thanks for waking me up, God get another day. I, I start with gratitude in everything I do. When we start with gratitude and, and, and then I look for the positive of what people can offer me or how I can offer them. Live better is how do how can you um, connect with other people and be a boomerang, but don't keep score. Right. I, I love connecting people. So living better from a mindset perspective, staying focused on those things. Um, I think setting goals is a great way to live better and tell people about your goals so they can help you hold you accountable. Um, don't be afraid to fail is a way to live better. I fail every day. And I, when I fail, I love telling my mm -hmm. kids how I failed. Oh yeah. I love, those are the fun stories, right? Again, establishing the idea of like, it's okay to fail. It's okay to mess up. Like I share like when I mess up and when I do things wrong and when I get, you know, something went haywire somewhere and like we laugh about it and go through it. And so Casey, man, that was like a micro episode right at the end there. Like, you know, journaling, gratitude, spiritual framework, goal setting, asking for help, 
not keeping score and being okay with failure, I think are so many great ways to live better. My man, where can people get more of you, right? This is my last question. Where can they get more of you? Where can they Mm -hmm. find you? Where are you putting out content? You've mentioned the book. Where can they find it? Like, where can people get more Casey Jaycox in their life? Um, I am on LinkedIn. That's a great way to connect. You can go to my website, which is caseyjaycox.com. Um, there's, there's, um, there is videos, there's testimonials, there's, um, information about my podcast. Um, if you want to buy the book, you can get it on Amazon. You can be a Kindle, you can get a paperback. And then this year I just, um, recorded the audio, the audible version myself. Um, I read the book seven or eight times for the editing process. I've learned something every time I read it and I'm the author. That's sometimes embarrassing to say, but the proof is I didn't create these things. These things, these six things I've wrote about have been around forever. And we all have gaps. And so I think uh, for people that want to learn more about those things, check me out on um, the areas I said. I am on Twitter a little bit, but I would say the main way to, to connect with me is, on, is through LinkedIn. Hell yeah. Well, dude, I love this, man. Like, really, really enjoyed it. I appreciate the inside, the energy, the insights here, man. Thank you so much for your time. This is great. I'm honored. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Hey!